once again for the, I mean, good evening here in Central Europe, good afternoon in the United States. Thanks thanks a lot for the, again, for this opportunity, dear Rick, and thanks a lot for your big and, and for your wonderful love for world poetry, for world contemporary poetry, and with that focus of ours for, to Central Europe. Well, it's fabulous. Misha, you have brought us the most amazing poets. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the poets you have for us today? Well, it is a really special episode, and I'm very happy we managed to invite three great voices of European poetry, two of them from Newcastle, uh, Francis Holland and uh, uh, Jasmine Jade, and one of them from the Czech Republic, Tomáš Mika, who is also a translator from English, from English literature, uh, uh, and also very much connected 
to the to the city of uh, Newcastle. Uh, Jasmine Jade is uh, uh, also an excellent uh, literary critic, even if she's very modest and she does not present herself uh, like this. Uh, nevertheless, she is an excellent author of uh, reviews and uh, uh, critical analysis. Um, also, uh, and, and an excellent contributor, a great contributor to a very uh, appreciated um, review literary magazine uh, called uh, Fragmented Voices, based in uh, the United Kingdom and uh, in the Czech Republic. Um, whilst uh, uh, whilst uh, Francis Holland is uh, uh, is uh, a poet that uh, sometimes that uh, on one hand it's what what one calls an intellectual poet. Um, her images and uh, the complexity of uh, her uh, of her metaphors are really impressive, uh, and uh, her poems are always doubled by a, a strong intellectual uh, dimension. Um, she's also uh, she's also a teacher, which is uh, to be uh, to be uh, understood, which is to is, is to be um, uh, which is to be uh, um, almost seen uh, when reading her. Uh, when reading her uh, poetry, both of the authors had something to do. Were interested in the uh, in the phenomenon of uh, performance. Uh, thus, understanding not only or not especially performing poetry, but this is the performance as a dimension of the uh, contemporary poetry, all in all. Con uh, concerning Tomasz Mika. He is one of the most uh, respected and uh, best poets in the Czech Republic and in whole Central Europe. Uh, he was translated into a couple of uh, uh, foreign languages, including English, uh, Polish, and uh, Romanian. Um, he also uh, co he also uh, he was also connected to uh, performing arts, uh, to uh, performance as a dimension of uh, poetry, and he was also. Uh, a member of some excellent uh, musical groups in the 80s and in the 90s in the Czech Republic. In, in short, another a third uh, complex artist, uh, a complex writer, uh, and uh, uh, author of uh, uh, not only of poetry, of uh, poems, but also of uh, short uh, of short prose. In 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 short, uh, in short, three great names of the European and world poetry today. I'm looking forward to listen to them, and uh, I want to ensure our view, our uh, listeners that they that they are going to uh, that uh, that they are going to be for in, for sure uh, they are going to be uh, enthusiastic uh, when uh, listening to them. Therefore, I uh, therefore I really invite them to uh, invite them to uh, to listen. To the to the uh, to the great poems of those uh, wonderful poets. Once again, thanks a lot, Rick Spisak, for uh, your uh, for your um, affection, for your uh, love towards uh, uh, towards uh, European and world poetry. Thank you, my brother, and thank you once again for bringing these fine voices to us. Here we go, part one. I welcome here. Uh, the two ladies or two poetesses from England and thank you very much for accepting this invitation and uh, even if she's not here I want to thank very much Natalia Nera uh, for intermediating our 
uh, our meeting. So welcome Francis Holland, welcome Jasmine Jade. Thank you very much for uh, for being so kind and accepting this invitation just on the last minute, and uh, for being so uh, for being so prepared for for this. Tomasz, welcome. Actually, I'm very uh, I'm very happy to to see you again after 15 years. So it's uh, uh, it's uh, it's quite a it's quite a pleasure. Uh, actually, I don't see you after 15 years, but uh, we have met 15 years ago, I guess, or even 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 longer. Um, 17. 17. 17. Yes, you're right. 17. You're right. 70. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about. We saw each other last year. Come on. <laughs> I knew you meant, but I mean, I mean the, first, the first time when we met. Uh, okay. 17 years, for sure. Not 70. Okay. You are not 70. I am not 70 either, for now. Okay. So, uh, once again, thank you very much. And um, now it is up to, to Rick to decide when we start or whether. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce the charming poets of the East for this week. Misha Danduta, sir, my brother, please tell us a little something about these lovely poets so that we might begin filling the ears and minds with some of the loveliest poetry to be found. Misha. The chair thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rick. Um, actually, there is a lot to be told about each of them. Um, I will mention only a couple of words about um, about uh, about each of them, uh, and uh, I would kindly like to invite them to say a little bit more and more in detail uh, during the uh, during the minutes, which uh, will be theirs as a presentation and presentation of the. Of their of their creation, um, so um, um, it is. I uh, so um, about uh, just um, just a moment. Um, Jasmine Jade or Jasmine Jade Scott, as I uh, found out that it is actually it her uh, complete name. Uh, she's from South Shields, Britain. Uh, she won the South Tyneside Wright Festival Poetry Slam. She was shortlisted for the Terry Kelly Poetry Prize 2018 and came second in the Mind Short Story Competition 2019. Last year she completed a um, Master of Art uh, in creative writing at the Newcastle uh, at the Newcastle University, um, Francis, well Francis Holland, uh, is also a British poet uh, with, uh, uh, with an impressive uh, with an impressive um, uh, portfolio. Uh, she um, she published um, she published a certain uh, certain number of. Uh, Collections and uh, is uh, uh, belongs to this uh, very to this selected circle of uh, uh, of um, poets which contribute to 
uh, the very appreciated review, uh, Fragmented Voices, together with uh, Natalia Nera, with Jasmine Jade uh, again, with, um, uh, with Natalie Creek, and uh, also with a couple of other um, excellent British, uh, British poetesses. Um, and uh, it's, uh, there are, I have to admit, there, they are personalities, uh, they are uh, poetesses that I, which I met personally, which I meet personally for the first time now. I knew something about their creation uh, before, but not, uh, not uh, too much in detail. And once again, I'm very grateful to Natalia Nera for uh, coming with this idea, for uh, introducing us, and to them for accepting uh, to participate in our uh, in our record session uh, today. Well, about Tomasz Mika, I could say a lot of things. As we just uh, agreed that we know each other, we have been knowing each other uh, 17 years. Um, he's a poet, an excellent translator. A prosaist, a performer, a complex artist, um, and in the same time a very modest person, which uh, does not, uh, which does not promote um, himself the way he uh, he would uh, he would deserve. According not only to my opinion, he's known in the Czech Republic mainly as a translator, uh, but according to my opinion, and not only to my opinion. He's one of the best Czech contemporary uh, poets, um, and uh, this is proved, uh, among other, also, uh, um, also through the by the variety of uh, his uh, of the styles he's uh, successfully uh, aborting. Um, so I would uh, mention among his uh, poetry collections um, the. Um, Diary of the Quick uh, of the Quick uh, Human Being from 2007, um, short messages from 2016, um, and in 2005 he published also a collection of short stories called Und, like in German, U N D, um, and uh, his creation is also represented in. Uh, uh, prestigious anthologies like Anthology of the New Czech Literature, uh, Anthology of the Czech Radio Feuilleton uh, in 2002-2004. Um, so it, um, so I repeat, a very, uh, a very interesting personality of the Czech and Central European poetry. A very interesting thing is that uh, in 2004 he won the Prague, uh, the Prague round of the Slam competition, uh, which was uh, for the first time organized in the Czech Republic at that time uh, by a very uh, at the time a very famous uh, publishing house called uh, called Petrov. So um, this is what I wanted to say about uh, about our uh, about our our guests. 
um, now uh, I would kindly ask them to uh, to uh, present themselves and to uh, read their uh, to the, to read what they prepared for today. I would like to uh, to remind uh, um, to remind uh, anyone everyone uh, that uh, usually we read in English and in the mother mother language of the respective poet as two of the today's guests uh, have English as uh, as a mother language as a mother tongue so it is it will be easier for them um, Tomas is also an excellent English speaker he graduated English at the English at Czech in the Czech at the university he's as I was mentioning he is he's also a very good translator uh, so he will read in English translation and in uh, uh, and uh, at least one poem or two I would like to kindly ask him also also in Czech uh, and afterwards according to the time uh, we still have um, maybe we will have a short discussion about uh, what I uh, take the risk to call cultural journalism, but actually, please don't take it such in a in such an university-like meaning. It's uh, it's about uh, it's rather about a question concerning the uh, the destiny of the poet, whether the poet uh, feels him or herself like being also a critic, a literary critic, and whether he or she um, feels like writing also uh, poetry or literary analysis or um, or not. Whether these uh, two or three dimensions uh, could coexist uh, within the soul, within the intellectual dimension of, uh, of a poet. So I would like to find out your opinion about this uh, about this matter. Now, um, as always, what's the most difficult uh, remains to remains to Rick. So, Rick, please kindly precise whom would you uh, whom would you choose? Would you select for starting uh, today's um, today's episode? Sadly, I can't have you all speak simultaneously, so I'm going to arbitrarily ask Jasmine if you would tell us a little bit more about yourself, and then please favor us with some of your amazing poetry. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, and thanks for having us, thanks for the opportunity. Um, it's it's really nice to do one of these online things, I haven't done one yet, so it's, um, it's all new, and I haven't used Skype since I was 12. Um, so I think I think I'm doing all right, considering I can see myself, and I'm assuming you can all hear us. We can, and it's marvelous. Excellent. Okay. Um, so yeah, my name is Jasmine Jade. I'm a poet from a coastal town in the northeast of England, and I'm currently studying for my PhD in Newcastle. Um, I've got six quite short poems to read here from my PhD project, which looks at what it means to. Sorry, if I'm looking down and reading from here. Um, which looks at what it means to be a working class artist and to sort of straddle two social worlds. So for me, this is the middle class realm of higher education and the working class community I grew up in. Um, so I write a lot about the power of language and this first poem in a response, it is a response to a controversial article um, published by the PN Review by um, Rebecca Watts and it's called uh, The Cult of the Noble Amateur 
Um, and it kind of sat on the whole light the first time I heard it. I don't know whether anybody else has read it. I'd take it from that reaction that you have. Um, it's a, yeah, she bashed a lot of sort of um, young contemporary female poets for being too simplistic in their style. Um, and I tend to side of like, there's, there's room for all kinds of poetry and poetry doesn't only have one voice. So this poem's called Articulate and it starts with an epigraph from the article, which is, it is the job of poets to safeguard language. If it were a magician's move, it would be a handkerchief chain pulled from the mouth. Tell me how you bound the colors, meanings neatly tied, and never allowed the letters to catch, convinced your subject to open wide. We should judge perhaps the miser who covets his glittering tricks, whose clandestine privilege, functional, fashionable, academic, is sensitive to domination, to concealment, and be kept like a coin under the tongue. But from what will it deliver you when creeping gold falls in your throat? How beautiful you'll look in blue. This next one's called Call Home. I love your words. Where did you get them? Then no clatter of letters like mine. Music seems to stop and listen. I siphon these streets you see, store what colour I found and use and use it now to sketch them out anew. But they keep coming back to me as a shake of the head, like they know I'm not prepared to pen this town. Despite my mouth as bright as yours, my smile of upright vowels, I still dream of dandelions in the dark, of catching soft silver-winged moths, and wake with shell dust on my palms, to butterflying spiral bounds outside of a childhood window, and the moan of a distant foghorn, finding the lost on a forgotten sea, and luring them to land. I sing back, but I don't think she hears me. I sing back. Dear mother, I'm found. Lovely. This one's, thanks. This one's called Kansas. Um, a twister of teenage years spat me out on the other side of girlhood. Oh, what a world it is, they said, with all its technical hope. I was crushed by what brought me, made a home in the monochrome. Of hearts and minds I vowed forever to favor steel and straw. Courage is riding the storm on a bike with your soul in the basket up front. To stand face to face with your shipwreck of dreams grown over and green with those of the young. The real trick is to find your way back. To go home is a flash of incarnadine shoes. To belong is to know where they'll take you. Thank you. Thanks. So I've got um, three poems now that are in response to photographs and I have them here. I'll just show you. Um, this first one's called Picture of uh, a Northern Town Through Net Curtains. And this photography collection is uh, Raise a Laugh by Richard Billingham. I don't know if any of you have come across it. Um, but it's sort of set in the... It's pictures of his parents in the council uh, block that he grew up in and it's all sort of like dilapidated and very sort of class focused. But this is the first photo is that some people see that, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is picture of a northern town through net curtains. Near the end, he learned to knit himself closed. His osmosis of the soul cured. Corneas clouded like to stem the window with warmth still in there. So Dad began life like most, with loose shoulders and open smiles. 
Let the rain and like he'd never feel it frost along the bone when the winter came. Sometimes he'd bend spoons with his mind. It felt nice, he said, to see your effect on the universe, even if just in some small way. I kept the head in a box for years from when Jason snatched the teaspoon, corkscrewed the steel and said hands can accomplish the same. Something tightened in Dad that day, a drawstring of lips, and stitch by stitch he began to hem himself in. His world a window through pithy white seams, a map worn with back pocket keeping, his destination a dream. Very nice. Thank you. Um, I have two more quite short ones. So, um, this next one is called Inventory for a Home on based on this photo here. Inventory for a haunted room, key, where it cannot be forgotten, should he decide to let himself out. On its side, its brass bit is a, is a cityscape, Manhattan at sunset, slices of sky thrown back at themselves, ashtray, full of stop sign lipstick from when man last came, he keeps the stubs like kisses meant for him. Lanzarote curls along an East Canary gecko, but neither mom nor dad have ever been. Coke bottle, with last decade's label clinging like a final hope. A third full with flat homebrew and stuck with fruit flies. Fucking summer, you'd say. Wish they'd all die, dead. With an imprint missing. It still baffles him that on some normal day, she rose, ate her toast, only ever a nice edge of jam, then drove to work and chose to not return. Four slices white bread that I brought up two days ago. To soak the booze up, man, dad, I'd said. He'd laughed and asked how all that camera lock was going. A slender mound beneath the sheets. I do not breathe until I see its rise and fall. At times, I wish for no movement at all. Uh, I've just realised I've lost my bookmark for this last time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be two seconds. Um, it's okay. <laughs> so this is the last one and it's called Escape and it's based on this photo here. Escape. You kept a world on the wallpaper. Psychedelic gnomes with fountains for tongues. Fairgrounds in the fist craters, mushroom umbrellas. I said I couldn't see the smiling carnations or the hammock boy dreaming, nor the honeysuckle that climb up to the treehouse on the ceiling. I thought you'd lie. You told me that they spoke to you one night, confessed their eager spying, their admiring of our 3D bric-a-brac. After you left that final time, I saw tiny eyes on Dad's whiskey glass. Hammock boy skipped on the skirting board and tipped his honeysuckle hat. He asked me to join his paper joy. Had always wanted a little boy. He said to leave this mouldering room and danced in the arch of a toenail moon. Thank you. Very nice. Very nice. Thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, really impressive, uh, impressive poems. I appreciated very much not only the freshness of uh, the imagery, uh, but also the uh, of course, also the form, I mean the exterior rhythm, but also the interior rhythm and uh, the way the uh, words and the expressions were uh, coming one, uh, uh, one 
against each other. I don't mean as a contradiction, but by completing, by fulfilling, uh, fulfilling themselves. So really, very beautiful. Thank you very much, uh, Jasmine, and uh, I am very grateful to, uh, once again, to Natalia for uh, for introducing for introducing us. Thanks again. Another excellent, important poetess from uh, from Britain, Francis Holland. Welcome here, please, if you would like to say something more about yourself and uh, to present uh, your beautiful creation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. Um, like Jasmine, I was on the MA in Creative Writing at Newcastle University. Uh, a lot of my work focused on playwriting, weirdly enough. Um, I didn't take any poetry strands, but I do write poetry a lot all the time absolutely love it can't get away from it and um, these first two poems that i'm going to read are kind of based on my childhood and thinking a lot more about about that so the first one is called lollipops which was published in the fragmented voices anthology collection and um, the language of salt he gives me a lollipop for work well done I stick it in my bag, and the next one, and the next one. I want that lollipop translucent, a world through windows of glassy ocean blue, sugar strawberry, sticky sweet on my tongue. I try to imagine the taste of him. Coming up short, I hoard his rewards. The bag begins to stink. It vanishes, is burned while I'm at school. Ashes of gold stars devoured by sickly ooze. I come home to a pyre in the garden, my secret up in flames as red as my face. Another lollipop already clutched in my hand. This next one is called Amble Market. You're holding my hand in yours as we wind our way through market stalls. I linger at the second-hand books. We both spend more than we should. You point out where the dolphin used to play when you brought me as a baby. We crane our necks over the harbour wall at ripples, kitty wakes, chip wrappers. I spy a vintage courty compact. Your mother had the same one. You buy it for me to use in fun on my baby cheeks. The silver van is always there. Rose of amber, orange and green, knotted triscolet pendants and a cladder nestled on blue velvet. We feel the tremor of bad luck if I part with my coins. I look up at you. My eyes are blue and so are yours, but mine are clouded over, ringed with yellow. Your eyes smile their sunshine blue. You hand over your money, let me slip the cladder on, the bad luck shrinking, curling away from us. We buy hot chips and eat them out of newspaper. The boiling fat brands the ring into my skin, brands me with this happy day. Uh, the next four poems are from a collection that I'm working on um, about women in my life really it's just I found myself writing quite a lot about them a friend of mine had a particularly hard time um last year and she's someone that I really admire so this poem is kind of inspired by her and it's called Awakening out of the salted earth she claws herself free built herself anew from fury and flame barefoot over ice and burning stones sword in hand she strides white-limbed red-haired glory in her mouth and the serpent at her throat nestled in that curve that lovers love and mortal women fear barefoot she walks fire and storm and flowers tortious mundi falling at her feet the next one is an apology to my mother for being such an awful teenager. <laughs> 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 so all the all the stuff.
dogs that Charlotte put up with when she came in from work. So this is apologies. Dirty plates, mouldy mugs, the last of the Jaffa cakes. Exploded beans, broken hob, smashing your china figurine. Never playing my piano lessons or thanking you for paying. And I've never, ever said sorry for nearly killing you on my way out. So, yeah, sorry, ma'am. This next one is a a fictional poem called Lover Greater Than Girlfriend, but with the mathematical greater sign. Um, It's based on... um, sort of me and my friends when we were teenagers kind of rifling through each other's makeup bags to have a nosy and see what's in there and being kind of judgmental and horrible about it. <laughs> I rifled through your overnight bag, the one you'd been thrilled to leave, pride of place in his ensuite. Cheap everyday unguents, paraffin and lanolin, those things would never pollute my skin. Relics of a birthday present from a wealthy sister, colleague, friend, now sampled by the woman driving your man round the bend. Blonde Kirby grips, he prefers brunettes. Shampoo that is at least cruelty free, shame the same can't be said for me. I replace the bag, shake my head, I return to your man, return to your bed. I'm awful. Um, this is called Paper Lanterns. Um, and Paper Lanterns is um, based on my family's involvement in the 1916 Easter Rising. Sisters rifled through dead men's papers, firstborns against the men, claiming against custom. The sisters lost. The men kept hold of the paper lanterns and the name, handed down to daughters who would gladly cast it off. The paper lanterns had no more light to give. Hoarded guarders never seen, they flickered dimly against a buried past, resurrected only through a whiskey fog of this is not for women. Curled in against themselves, they festered in a drawer. The rifles fired in O'Connell Street had been the work of their father, not their mother, though she'd fought and bled and lied and died in the same vein. And though it was not her legs bound to a wooden chair before the final bullet did its work, she cleaned it up, cut herself on broken bone and shattered window panes, Wed, died young, left scraps behind to twist the tale of how only the men carried the paper lanterns. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Really, uh, really impressive. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I liked very among many other things. Just in, I see in the case of Jay, of Jasmine Jade, I, uh, I liked very much. Uh, the intellectual dimension in your uh, in your poems, uh, this uh, uh, this um, uh, dedoubling, if you want, of the autorial me, of the autorial I, between the writer, the one who is uh, who is the author of the poetry, and the one who is in the same time commenting it. It is. Uh, uh, very uh, strong and original, uh, or and original uh, way of uh, working of uh, uh, of uh, contemporary poets, and in the same time also the irony of uh, some of the poems, especially of the last two uh, two ones, and uh, the, um, the ironical uh, self-critic, if you want, in that uh, in that uh, in the poetry about the. Uh, about the psychology uh, of the teenager, uh, and I have to, uh, even if I liked all of them, of the poems, I have to admit that one was my favorite. 
so once again, thank you very, uh, thank you very much, uh, and uh, thank you, Natalia, also for uh, for intermediating our uh, um, our our meeting. Um, I. Uh, I would uh, like to observe that both of you, if I'm not wrong, and please uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, um, as far as I observed, you wrote uh, some articles, some critical, uh, some analyses in uh, especially in fragmented voices, also in uh, in other uh, in other um, literary uh, literary magazines, and uh, so in your case. Uh, it is actually a kind of preparation for the eventual discussion after the uh, after the pre after presenting your um, your uh, creation. Um, so in your case, the critical as I mentioned, the literary critic, the literary analyst is also present together with the poet, or seems to be present together with the poet uh, in your um, um, in your being, in your intellectual and artistic uh, and artistic uh, eye. So we will talk about this a little bit a little bit later, ladies and gentlemen. I am happy and honored and. Uh, pleased to introduce here and to welcome once again uh, not only uh, he doesn't like it at all when I tell when I when I speak like this uh, like this about him but he is a great poet uh, so welcome I would very much like to welcome here not only a great poet an excellent translator from the Czech Republic um, a very original performer uh, Tomasz Mika but also, I dare to say, a very good friend of mine. Tomasz, welcome. Tomasze, vitej. Tomasi, vitej. So please uh, tell us what you what what you think it would be to uh, be fulfilled, to be completed about uh, you and your uh, your uh, literary uh, or translating or all in all artistic creation, because you are active and. Uh, Excellent in a lot of uh, artistic cultural fields. Thank you, thank you, uh, Dan, for for this uh, introduction. And you are right; I don't like you to speak like that about me because I. I know. That's why I, I did it. <laughs> you make me nervous. Uh, I I'm, I I had been nervous before. So. Um, yeah. Really, I, I I don't know I don't know what to uh, what to say. I, I will, um, it's uh, it's so interesting that uh, that uh, two poets from Newcastle are present because uh, um, I've been to Newcastle. <laughs> I was there a couple of times and I really lo love it. I I love uh, your town very much and. Um, as I was um, listening to you when I learned uh, now that uh, you are from Newcastle, I have one poem that is actually inspired by Time Out Priory. Uh, well, in my poem, it's turned into a castle, okay? Uh, but uh, so, so the poem is called Castle, but it's actually Time Out Priory, all right? Uh, so I'll, I'll read that one. Just a second, I'll find it. Yeah, uh, it was written about 20 years ago. Because I I was uh, I was in Newcastle 99 to 2001 uh, 2001 and okay something like 20 years ago. So it's from that period. Um, it's not very performative. Over there. Mm. The castle. 
castle inhabited by spirits, weather-worn openings where windows used to be, stones half-eaten by salt and wind. Only veins protrude under the cliff on which I tower. Waves are gnawing, working on me to turn again into dust of the walls, to turn again into a heap of stone where limpets live and black weeds. A natural shape, not something marked with a human hand, and the memories of stones no one can see. Only the memories of stones keep the remembrance of a touch of a human hand, and they quiver with delight. A palm, the back of the hand, a palm, a delicacy which the stone is longing for, which, is, which it doesn't have and never can. Um, it was translated uh, first by myself and then it was um, polished by a friend of mine who comes from Newcastle, um, Bernie Higgins, um, the organizer of a Poetry Day in Prague like for more than 20 years. And uh, yeah, my, my big friend and uh, um, big helper with my translation. Um, so I, I will read. Uh, I will read more from these old poems. Mm. There is one called "Life Delusion." A stream over the stream, a bridge like river. Rivulet in a gift pack. You cross to the other bank, it's like a delusion, the same. You walk along the bank and a bridge again to the other bank. Breathe in, breathe out, you cross and are where you were before, in a gift pack. Life, delusion. And another one from Period. A dream of a foreign land. In a dream, I found myself in a foreign land. Somebody was about to leave, somebody stayed. I understood foreigners better than my own kind, and women better than men. But who is going to read my palm, my card, write my horoscope, draw my genealogical tree? Explain the dream, put together my image, tell me who I am. Now that something is coming to an end, and nothing begins. And uh, since uh, Dan asked me to read something also in Czech, I will read something incomprehensible to you. Uh, <laughs> I believe. Um, just a second, I have to find this. Yeah, so these are new poems, so enjoy. <laughs> it's all in Czech. V dálce štěká pes, kokrhá kohou, a hoří les. Žena je vždy blízko, tak blízko, že na ní nedosáhneš. Ženu máte vždy s sebou, tak nezoufejte, že ji nikde nevidíš. Blízký východ také není A přesto vám hoří přímo pod přirozený, jako ona. Pes škal, a žena měla úplně, proto si celý zářil potem a tmou tmoucí. Miluješ ji, protože je sršen, jenž odlétá a zanechává za sebou plamen svíce, ven vnitru, 
jimž prosvítá očima a stromy. Je tvá, tak jako je tvůj oceán a oheň. Miluješ ji, neboť musí. V tom tkví tvá svoboda. Jsi jako polovina kamene, která se chce rozčprtit. Její láska tě drtí, umíráš rád a schutí ženy na jazyku. And uh, another one and the last one. Proč by měl mořský proud vznikat a zanikat? Ohromné masy vod v pohybu. Účel jenž nepřísluší znát. Hniloba říznutá člověčím výtvorem. Polévka míchaná ve smíle. Rodiště neznámý. Pěna starých časů. Povinnost volá. Máš na tom všem podíl. Silly Slovak. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, Tomáš. Děkuji moc krát, Tome. And uh, that's the end of part one. Uh, Misha, do you want to react to some of what we've heard? It was certainly delightful in, in a whole range of different ways. Well, Actually, it is so interesting and in the same totally fascinating that you can read, I mean, one can read a lot of poems from the creation of a certain poet, the direct presenting, the direct recitation, if you want, of the respective poems of, or of other poems by the author, him or herself is something completely different. Um, and that it is one thing if you study objectively some scientific um, materials about Francis Holland, Jasmine Jade, or Tomasz Mika, or if you write yourself some analysis, some review, some critical article, and something completely else when you read those great poets, when you hear those great poets reading their own verses with uh, their own voice. And among all this, or over all this, it is the spirit of the city of Newcastle, which some magical way uh, connected, united all the poetical voices uh, tonight. Dear Rick, I am still under the spell of their poems, of their individual, equally wonderful but so different styles. So let them go further. Let not spoil the spell. Sounds wonderful. Okay, here comes part two. So it seems that uh, somehow Newcastle uh, acted as a magical place uh, around which uh, our today's guests without without knowing of each other and without me knowing about it actually they were more or less marked by this uh, by this city that's one of the surprises uh, poetry is uh, able to offer is able to uh, is able to uh, to uh, prepare uh, so if uh, you agree now please allow me to address you this question i was uh, mentioning from the very beginning that means whether 
you as poets act also as literary critics, as literary analysts, and if you feel those dimensions uh, as a symbiosis in your artistic uh, in your artistic activity. Please, thank you. I think, um, I think it, it's interesting because as a poet, I think the sort of there's two types of people. This is the way uh, one of the booktubers I watch on YouTube puts it. There's two types of people. There's the type of person who wants to appreciate art from afar, wants to read a book and like enjoy it for being a, a good story, or, or you know read a poem and appreciate it for being a good poem. And then there's the type of person who wants to take the lid off things and wants to wants to understand the nuts and bolts of why it works the way it does and I think a lot of I mean every poet I've ever met is the second type of person we want to take the lid off things we want to know how things work and that that's what helps us get really good at our craft and um, so I think the two come together in poets a, a lot more often than people perhaps think because poetry seems to be like a purely creative endeavour. I think there is an, an element of craft there and an element of, um, yeah, just, just having to hone that and learn the sort of nuts and bolts of things. And I think poets generally find that very interesting. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, my um, love of poetry definitely came from. Um, I know a lot of people hated GCSE English, like English when you were sort of like 15, 16 years old, but for a lot of us I think that's the root of it, it's that analysing and picking something apart that makes us realise like, wow, I'm, I'm really passionate about this, I just, I need to know like why it has such an intense emotional impact or whatever, whatever impact it has on you, it's like, you want to know why it works the way it does, and I think that makes you a good critic. Um, and I think a lot of poets are like that. Um, as far as I know, you are quite frequently contributing to fragmented voices and also to other um, to other literary magazines, aren't you? Uh, I actually am. Um, one of my failings as both poet and an academic, I don't send things places because I'm scared of rejection. <laughs> um, I have had one essay published in Fragmented Voices though, and, and that was sort of about um, sort of about the writerly process and what it means to be a writer and whether um, the performative aspects of being a writer sort of out. It's, it's kind of difficult to explain, but um, yeah, it was sort of about what what looking like a writer means and what being a writer means. So writing means getting the work done. Um, and then I think there's a lot of a lot of people put prerequisites in front of their writing. Like I had a friend who would only ever write in like a candlelit room with a glass of red wine. And I was like, how much more productive of a writer could you be if you would write on, on the way to your like, day job, on the bus? So like, um, yeah, it was sort of productivity versus sort of performative writers if that makes sense. Um, okay, so thank you very much. Uh, if, you, if you allow me, I will come back a little bit later, if we have, still have time, with uh, a question concerning what you mentioned about performative uh, dimension, about the performative dimension of literature, of poetry, um, a dimension which is not at all 
um, foreign to you as you uh, uh, you won uh, some uh, some award at, uh, uh, in 2018 if I'm not wrong uh, at some uh, slam poetry uh, competition uh, and uh, uh, which also happened with uh, Tomasz Mika in uh, in 2004 so actually there is another element which uh, connects at least two of our uh, poets Francis what do you think about the first uh, the first uh, question I uh, I allowed myself to agree uh, to to address uh, to you. Uh, do you feel also like a critic and like a literary analyst, or do you think those aspects could coexist in a poet? Um, I think because of my day job, they have to coexist because I'm an English teacher as well. So um, I'm teaching poetry to year eleven and year ten at the minute. So uh, 15, 16 year olds. Um, and I do, I do love, like Jasmine says, the nuts and bolts of how poetry works. And I don't consciously try and sculpt my own poetry like that. I will occasionally set myself like a haiku challenge or a sonnet challenge or something like that. But sometimes I'll write something and I'll get to the end of it and I'll think, oh, that kind of echoes that bit in the first stanza or whatever. And I've done that with short stories as well and not even realized I've done it. Um, like Jasmine, I've also contributed the fragmented voices, and it was again about the performative aspects of writing. It was um, it was kind of a, a satirical piece called the Writerly Review of Blackpool Lonex. This sort of there are days where I kind of I'll leave the house and um, my partner will say, "Oh, you've really dressed like a writer today," because I'll be wearing all black and a black polo neck. And I was thinking, oh, that would make quite a good review article, wouldn't it? You know, which black polo neck should this writer be wearing? You know, depending on what you want to say. Um, and I, like, like Jasmine said, you you can't sort of bracket yourself to just writing in a certain time and place and set up. I mean, I always remember um, one of my favourite playwrights, Willie Russell, was a, a lady's hairdresser before he went into writing full time. And he used to write his plays in the back shop of the hairdressers, which takes an incredible amount of compartmentalisation to be able to switch off the hairdressing side of it and then do the writing side of it as well. I mean, I've tried writing at work on my lunch break and it just does not happen. Um, I try and keep the the analyst out of my own writing as much as I can until it's finished. And a couple of the poems that I read today, it's the first time I've read them since I wrote them. And kind of looking at the the lines on one of them, I actually made a mistake. I stumbled. I said um, one at the end of the line when it should have been in the middle. And it actually works better at the end, so I'm going to go back and change it. Um, I approach my own work a lot more chaotically than I do other writers' work, I have to say. I'm an agent of chaos when it comes to writing myself, but yeah. Thank you very much and also a very interesting point of view that it is easier being your own critic or analyst or being uh, than being the critic or analyst of uh, some other uh, of some other poets because the majority of people, the majority of uh, literary uh, authors, poets, or prosaists, or anything, or any, uh, or any, or, or um, anyway, uh, anything they would say, maybe that it is better to address others' creation and not the one of yourself. Therefore, I think well, I repeat a very interesting and 
personal uh, personal opinion. Uh, also, I am happy to find out that actually this performative dimension, as you wrote about it, and uh, you are uh, you are um, you are uh, keen in this uh, for this um, for this field. So actually, the performative dimension is uh, connecting all three of you. Actually, if I think about it uh, more uh, more in detail, all five of us. But it is not. Uh, we are only hosts today, not not guests. So it is uh, it is up to you to to present to present uh, yourselves. So Tomas, we already had a discussion about it, and uh, yeah. I know it's very easy. It's, uh, I, I I do not uh, I do not write uh, um, articles about literature. Um, I do not uh, do analysis of. Uh, other uh, other people's work, so uh, I'm I'm really uh, easy. <laughs> I don't have nothing to do with uh, literary journalism or whatever. But I can appreciate uh, good uh, good critique, and occasionally I I find I find some in the uh, in, in the magazines, and yeah, if it's. Uh, if it's a like a qualified piece of writing, I I really enjoy uh, reading such things. And, um, yeah. But I would I would kindly uh, ask our guests, uh, our producer and uh, main host Rick, and of course mainly Tomas, to allow me to ask him something short in Czech. And if he agrees about answering about this with answering about this in Czech, then we will it, it will last two seconds. It is because it is a yes or a no. But I don't know whether he wants to talk about it, therefore please allow me to ask him this. In Czech, if he wants to talk about it, he will answer yes. If he doesn't, he will answer no. Please allow me to do this, uh, to to do this, uh, um, this uh, to, to 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 try this. Can I please? Be my guest. I take it as a yes. What about Tom? It's all it's all right yeah. with you? Yeah, ask me in Czech. Tom je psal do konce o mojí svírce. Takže ty opravdu nechceš, aby se vědělo, že píšeš kritiku? Ježíš, to jsem zapomněl, to bylo strašně dávno, ale. Jako... No ale moc krásně spsal. Smímo se o tom zmínit, nebo nechceš? No jasně, můžeš, ne určitě, jako, ale to je strašně okrýžnul, jako. To je, to je dávno, to je pravda, ano. Yeah, uh, it's, it's very I, I wrote, um, já jsem napsal něco i před dvěma lety, jako o um, někom, ale uh, o Evaldu Murerovi, ale uh, jako to je prostě strašně okrajová záležitost pro mě. Já jenom tím chci říct, že já prostě to nesleduju a prostě nezabývám se tím jako nějak so I'm sorry it was there weren't two seconds but 20 seconds um, so Tomas allows me to mention that once in a time he uh, he writes some critical articles though and uh, for me it was a very sensitive aspect because he wrote a very beautiful article, a very beautiful essay about my second poetry collection, uh, which uh, was published in Prague in 2015. And uh, he also wrote a very interesting essay two, year, two years ago, but he stresses all right, there were some 
things he wrote about he wrote about it but uh, this uh, is a very marginal aspect of his uh, of uh, his activity nevertheless i wanted to stress that when he writes when he accepts writing analy analyses of or literary critics uh, he is he is also very good in um, in doing in doing this because of those articles even if he writes them if he doesn't write them too frequently are really very uh, very interesting yeah can i say something please 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 yeah um now that you talk about about that okay it's really occasional that i write something it's very very occasional but um when um uh, uh, i don't know if everybody knows that uh, dan dutsa is a poet and he's a great poet who uh, has decided to write in Czech. Uh, his, his Czech is uh, excellent and, and within, uh, within the Czech uh, poetry scene he's such an original voice like being a foreigner uh, coming from Romania he brings a completely new uh, view of, uh, of certain things and uh, a completely different approach to language and I, I think this is what I uh, what, what I uh, really appreciate about Dan and uh, he published two two books in uh, in Czech is that, is that right and how about the third one because I, I know you've been preparing uh, you've been preparing uh, third and fourth book uh, really Polsku se nemluví česky, nebo smrt se nemluví polsky, nebo něco takového. How is it going? Because I keep telling Dan, like, you should, you should really publish that. He's very original, but he's reluctant to, uh, to be published. That's what I don't like about him. I write an essay on you uh, being so reluctant. <laughs> so you see, he's an excellent critic, <laughs> and when he wants to be critic, he's very a very acid critic. Uh, I'm, 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 feel, I'm feeling red. I'm flushing all around. Uh, uh, it well, yes, it is true. Uh, this in, in between, actually, I published um, an anthology, an autorial anthology uh, in Bucharest. Um, bilingual in Czech and Romanian. I mean the original Czech and uh, Czech poems and uh, the translations into Romanian. And it is true, yes, uh, there are two uh, collections I'm preparing. I have been preparing for seven years, for six years now, sorry. And um, and uh, Tomas is as uh, one of my best friends. And I think uh, that's what he mentions here. He proved again being one of my best friends. He keeps telling me that I have to finally publish uh, at least the third, uh, the third, the third collection. Uh, its title is "They Don't Speak Polish in the Realm of Death." Uh, thank you for mentioning this, Tom. I will take, uh, I will, I took note, and uh, I promise I will, uh, I will try to publish this collection. Uh, well, let's say within the next six years. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, um, if, you'll, if you allow me, I would like to end if um, Rick um, confirms we still have time. Um, I would like to thank you very much, Rick. I would like to kindly ask you, um, as each of you in different contexts mentioned this, um, uh, this performative aspect, 
which is your connection to performance, performative poetry, besides the fact that you too, Jasmine and Tomasz, won some competitions in this field and Francis wrote a very specialized article about uh, this performative dimension of, uh, of poetry. Which is your connection to performative poetry today? Um, when I mentioned the performative aspect of being a writer, I wasn't referring to performance poetry, sorry, I might have not made that very clear. I was oh, sorry. Talking, no, no, it's fine, it's probably my fault. Um, I was more talking about um, these sort of these little, um, I can't think how to put it, these little quirks that writers, that everyone thinks writers have. Um, you know, like the sitting in Starbucks all day kind of thing, um, drinking espressos and um, having sort of like newfangled writers, laptop, tablet things and like the, the little things that people think make you a writer or like fancy fountain pens, audiobook subscriptions, like little, um, little sort of signs that could say you're a writer but like actually what makes you a writer is doing the writing like writing is writing and everything else is everything else kind of thing and um, so that's what I meant by the performativity of writing just like are you actually getting the work done or are you um are you giving yourself prerequisites to writing these little things that you think you need to be a writer um which are actually quite um quite expensive a lot of the time um, and I think can make people feel alienated from calling themselves a writer because they don't have these little things or the, um, uh, the fancy laptops or you know the money to sit in Starbucks all day or whatever um, which I'm sort of kind of guilty of spending my student loan on but never mind um, so that's what I meant by performativity not um, performance poetry but I, I do enjoy performance poetry um, I don't do nearly enough anymore um, definitely like to get back into that. I'm not sure what, I think Francis meant the sort of the same thing as me with the, the Poland accent stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did. Um, I think I think for me class comes into it a lot as well. Um, it's kind of a, it's almost like a, a sick twisted joke that the British are obsessed with social class and I think we are to an unhealthy extent. Um, whichever class you come from, whether you're the aristocracy, whether you're middle class, whether you're working class, and I definitely come from a, work, a working class background. Um, my parents' lifestyle growing up would be seen to be more middle class, um, and I definitely have my middle class moments as well, where I sort of catch myself and think, oh, you know, um, my granddads would be horrified by this. But I think because of my accent as well, when I started on the MA course at Newcastle University, which is quite a prestigious Russell Group University, it's a red brick, and I was coming from Northumbria, which is an old polytechnic, it's still kind of got that reputation, but I had three of the best years of my life at Northumbria. And I feel sometimes like when I open my mouth, you kind of, people are taken aback and they're like, oh my gosh, she's a writer. And there's this presumption that because you've got quite a strong Geordie accent, you must be stupid and you, you can't be clever enough to be a writer. And um, it, it is definitely a performative thing that Jasmine says about um, the the accoutrements that go with it, the, the fountain pens, the sitting in Starbucks, the black polo next. Nine times out of 10, my writing gets done in the sitting room in a onesie. And it's, you know, kind of just plowing on through and everything. Um, I do enjoy performance poetry. Um, 
I'd, I'd like to get back into it a bit more, but I'm always very conscious that my inflection might not be the way people would read my poetry on the page. Everybody has a different reading and understanding of poetry. And I'm always worried about colouring that perception with the way I say the words. And there's sometimes I'll be reading it and I think, I don't like how I said that. Um, and I, I feel sometimes like I want to pull back from that a little bit. But that's not to say that I don't enjoy other people's performance poetry. I think you always enjoy hearing other people read more than you do reading yourself. What? Well, thank you very much. What about you, Tomas? Um, you mean my attitude, my current attitude to performance poetry? Yes, especially as you used to be one of the most important Czech but, performers. Uh, that's years ago, that's, that's uh, prehistory, it's uh, so far away. Uh, really, uh, it was just it was it was just that year 2004, and I don't know why it was the composition of the jury that uh, made me. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, like like I and I, I have a very low meaning about slam poetry. Emma. I just don't like it. Uh, I um, I think it's. Uh, when I when I completely when I completely uh, I was disgusted by a, a poetry slam was when one of the uh, big poets uh, of um, of Czech uh, language Jaromir uh, Pipot uh, took part in a, in a poetry slam uh, maybe in 2006 or something and he got like 10 zeros from the jury and it was the best poetry there was on that day other uh, other uh, uh, other people were doing uh, some some shows you know they were uh, they were basically loose, uh, useless but uh, but but the jury liked them better than the real poet and i stopped coming to uh, poetry slam uh, events i just i just hate that uh, genre i must say i think it's terrible it, uh, and and really, the the idea of competition in poetry, I don't hate it. I don't like it. So <laughs> that's why I did you. Thank you. Okay. So which so doesn't mean that I'm not performing while reading. I I, I read and gesticulate and and such things. Yeah. But and I I did uh, like when I when I started to present my poetry, it was all uh, video. I wasn't reading. I was uh, I was I had an overhead projector and I I was doing like weird things with my uh, overhead projector uh, combining poetry and pouring uh, colors on, on it and it, it was all very uh, very hippie uh, sort of thing and performative but um, yeah but I hate poetry <laughs> <laughs> okay so thank you thank you very much um, well it may it may sound a little bit uh, weird to say thank you very much for hating slam poetry uh, well, but you know, as uh, we have always been sincere to each other, you know, I like slam poetry, and uh, nevertheless, I agree that sometimes, maybe too frequently, the subjective attitude of the jury really, uh, really goes to, uh, really um, favorizes uh, people whose poetry is. Uh, is not so valuable as uh, other ones which are maybe a little bit more uh, more uh, discreet. And there we go. That's the end of part two.
Do you want to reflect on some of that, uh, Misha? Well, there were such such interesting reflections, such interesting ideas. In the same time, you know, there were actually changes of attitude even during the during this same episode. I mean, in the moment I decided to kindly ask you and especially Tomas to allow me to ask him in check whether he allows me to mention his uh, occasional, he calls them marginal, they are not marginal at all, contributions in the field of literary critic and analysis. I guess this changed actually the atmosphere and uh, the meaning of the whole episode because actually Tomasz Mika, as a great poet, as an excellent uh, analyzer and very sensible literary critic, as a very talented uh, performer, is not the one who does not write critics or reviews or analyzes. He is not the one who does not practice experiments and um, um, uh, performative dimensions, performative aspects within poetry. He is just disappointed with those um, cheap dimensions of it with those cheap dimensions which actually more or less overwhelmed uh, this, at least a part of this experimental uh, contemporary uh, contemporary poetry. During one only episode from each of our guests, and this change was, I think, the most spectacular in Tomasz Mika's case, from each of our guests developed before the I wanted to say before the eyes, but it is a uh, it is a radio serial. Uh, before the let's say in the ears of our listeners, um, all our, all three of our guests um, devoiled, if you want, revealed um, different and uh, and uh, sometimes unexpected uh, aspects of their of their personality. In short, all of them are also great critics and analyzers. All of them are very talented, not only poets, but also performers. Let it be, let it be understood the way each of them wants this to be understood. All of them have individuals very pronounced and very expressive styles which makes which make them each of those styles of of those individual styles an unconfundable individual voice in the uh, landscape of uh, today's uh, of today's uh, contemporary uh, contemporary poetry because yes even if formally being disappointed with uh, what is not all right in the field of today's, on one hand, slam poetry, and the other hand, uh, literary critics, Tomasz Mika, in spite of being so critical towards them, 
remains, or maybe even because of this, even thanks to this, he remains one of the, not only one of the best Czech and European poets I know, but also one of the best and most talented performers and uh, authors of uh, reviews and uh, literary critics. Uh, therefore, I think it was an inspired idea to invite all of those three personalities to uh, a record session of an episode called Poets and Literary Critics or Cultural Journalism. Excellent. Excellent. Were you ready for part three? Here we go. And before ending today's recording session, which worked really, really great. There's I'm, still I'm time here. There's still time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it was uh, it was Rick's spirit which somehow uh, took uh, took care of all of us, and uh, therefore it worked so uh, so smoothly uh, on, uh, from on, from technical point of view. Now, it is a last question or maybe a last, um, how should I put it, uh, a last kind demand, if I can. Of course, if you don't like to, uh, if you don't, if you don't want to, you are able, of course, you can, um, you can, you can refuse, of course, you could, you could refuse uh, any of the questions I, I raised, but before, because your attitude towards towards performing poetry or performance all in all was so interesting in the case of all of you and because actually in spite of all you do have something not something you do have a lot in common with uh, performing the poetry and I'm not meaning now I don't mean now especially the performance as a kind of literary kind I would like to kindly ask you whether you want, I repeat, to read something or to recite something from your creation, or not only from your creation, if you prefer, from the creation of something else, um, in that style which consecrated you as a, as a person connected to the performative poetry. I repeat, if you want. If you don't, we understand that's... Uh, it's no problem. There's there's no problem. Let Can me give something. Please do, please do, please trust me. Um, because I'll have to find it. Um, I have to disagree. Um, with what Tomas said. Um, well, not disagree. You can dislike something if you want to. That's your opinion. But I do think slam poetry really has its place. Um. Even if it's just to draw people into poetry, you know, you get people who are just in the bar to have a drink, who overhear a couple of poems and they realize that poetry is something they're invited to. And I think that's really important. Um, and yeah, just engaging people with the power of language in that way, I think um, that should have a place. Um, but then today's poetry definitely has its place, but like each is its own thing. And I think writing a slam poem where it is easily accessible and, you know, you can just, you can hear it the once and it gets across what it meant to say. I think that's a skill set in itself. So if you've got a favorite page poet who did um, page poetry on the stage 
and didn't get marked for it or got marked down for that. It's, um, I don't know, it's just, it's knowing your audience kind of thing. Um, that's just my two cents on that. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to find this poem. This is a really old poem and it's addressed to the council estate that I grew up on and it's in the style of um, Allen Ginsberg's America. It's called Biddick. Biddick, I've given you all and now I am no one. Biddick, your streets have taken me nowhere. Biddick, two decades in a council kept chrysalis and a ten pack of Lambert and Butler tar. Biddick, when will your streets keep me warm? When will you redecorate incorporate colours other than grey? Biddick, please surrender the childhood you stole so I can scribble it out and redraft it with more tree houses and less shattered glass, more trick-or-treat and less hypothetical abductions and getting lost, less plastic grass and pissed-up bus stops. Biddick, smile for the photo. You look almost clean under inches of snow. Biddick, I'm glad you can call me home. Biddick, my insides are a map of your maze and yet I'm still trapped. Biddick, my blood runs in your roads and I'd like it back one day, is that okay? Biddick, your streets have taken me nowhere. Biddick, let my mother see Australia. She knows all your turns like the reverse of her hand and not a meter more of this world. She says our ideas of success are subjective. Her house and her kids are adventures enough, but she's never carved her heart into Canadian ice and left it there, or feasted at midnight in a bookshop in Katoomba. She's never assisted a schizophrenic onto a subway, worried about the white rabbit in the basket of her bike, or bought a blue moon for a busker in Melbourne who insisted he was Hitler once in a past life. Biddick, your streets have taken me nowhere. Biddick, I've seen more in my 20 years than my father has seen in his lifetime. Biddick, Biddick, you are the asbestos in his lungs and the white of his hair, the northern chill that seizes his chest, timesheets till 10 on school nights, the reason he was never there. Biddick, clean up your diet or I will disembowel your wheelie bins. Biddick, I have revealed your sins. You have nothing to hide. Biddick, didn't you know that your insides are mine? Biddick, your streets have taken me nowhere. Biddick, I couldn't make sense of your streets until college. I passed Keats on the way to school. My best friend lived in Chaucer Ave, with no knowledge of the partner or the Puritan disapproval of pleasure. Biddick, my brother lived in Bronte Way with no reference for Howarth or Heathcliff. He thinks Wuthering Heights is a 70s song about an unhinged window cleaner. <laughs> taking me nowhere. But their eponyms are taking me everywhere. Thank you. Bravo, bravo. Thank you very much. It was, it was really a very personal combination of sensibility, of poetical sensibility, and of, yes, performance. I cannot not use this term because uh, performance does not mean only making fun of something, but also implying yourself with your sensitivity, with your sensibility, with your acting talent, maybe. Uh, in reading uh, or in performing something you uh, something you uh, you created. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jasmine. Francis, would you like to join? Um, yeah, I would. I, I kind of agree with what Tomas said about um, poetry slams. Um, I'm always uncomfortable with the idea of well, what I try to do when I'm teaching poetry is break down the preconceived notions they have that poetry 
has to rhyme, that it has to be perfect on the first try. And I keep saying to them, we've, we've got a poetry can be, it can be so many different things. It doesn't always have to rhyme. Your first draft might end up being totally different to what you come to at the end. And poetry slams, are, I worry, reinforce the idea that there is a technical tick list for, um, for slam poetry. Um, like I say, I, I do like performance poetry. I'm trying to find one that I've read several times. Um, this is going to be published in um, it's Scattered Seeds and it's, it's tiny little books that are going to be published. It's called Teacher Sex um, because working in schools, schools are just really incestuous. Everybody ends up dating everybody else. Um, and this is an example of what I was talking about. If someone read this, they wouldn't necessarily put the same inflection on that I do and I'd be sitting there screaming internally going, no, you're saying it wrong. Um, so there's teacher sex here, which is really short, and then butterfly, which is even shorter still, if that's okay. Um, so teacher sex. Art will paint you a beautiful picture of your future life together. Geography will colour it in, inside the lines, and label it lovingly. Science will shower you with sparks and stars, as long as you wear protective goggles and tie your hair back. PA keeps going all night long, because it's all part of their daily step count. Maths will ask to subtract your knickers, divide your legs and multiply with you. Ask English, where do you see us going? And they'll respond, there's no right or wrong answer to that question, and justify the answer with references to the text of your relationships. And I feel like that has to be read in a kind of teacher voice, in a way. Um, and I feel like the, the PA all night long, I feel like that has to be said kind of sleazily. But it's not necessarily something that works on paper, <laughs> so I need to think about that. Um, Butterfly is something that I wrote um, at the start of this month. It's very, very personal to me because um, it deals with a, what is known as a mis miscarriage where you're not entirely sure if it was a pregnancy or not. And it's not something I would ever read at a performance poetry night because it's, it's far too personal. But I'll, I'll read it here as an example of this is something I wouldn't read to lots of people if you know what I mean. Butterfly. I fail to feel sentimental as the monthly chance melts away. Do not curse the crimson line that flowers every 28 days. There is no full belly yearning for full breasts and a back that aches with expectation, uncertainty, me bearing the weight. That doesn't mean I don't sometimes dwell on the coming away of your butterfly ribcage. So I don't mind reading that when there's just a few people there, but that is not something I would get up on stage and read because it's it's far too personal. So I wouldn't put that in a performance set. So yeah, that's um, an example of a poem that I think is better on paper. You have your page poems. You have your stage poems. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Actually, by reciting it here, by reading them here, you, in a certain in a certain way, you are on a stage. Yeah. Even um, with uh, much more spectators than who could eventually get into a theater. Yeah. So, is it all right with you reading them here? Can we really broadcast this? Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. I don't mind. It might be something that, like I said, because it's. I, like, I, I don't get sentimental about it, sort of thinking. Like, I think about it, but I don't dwell on it. If you know what I mean. So yeah, that's absolutely fine. Thank you very much. Really, a very, uh, very interesting and uh, complementarity between you two as uh, uh, as poetesses and as attitudes towards uh, towards the 
performative uh, performative art now tom what about you would you like to perform something or you don't feel like that like well, I, can, I can read something i i probably read it in translation and uh, it's again uh translation by birdie higgins from newcastle <laughs> um what is it called uh, the journal of a fast man um oh, i like it it's a it's a very old it's a very old poem and originally it was a hip hop sort of thing and uh, but I, I I can't read it in English like that so I will try my best but I know it's embarrassing sorry about that so the man in a rush wants to know if there's anything else he can stow into life after work sleep and leisure and drink food and pleasure after stuffing his shirt and his pants and his feet into boots what moves. In the pockets still room for the line. He's a genuine guy, just a man in a rush, scribbling all of his gush so no woman can fall by the by. The man in a rush writes his gush on the hoof during wheelings and dealings and paranoid feelings in a fog on a star-spangled roof. There's the words of a man in a fix with his head and his feet in the sky, where there's no time to linger, and all on the wing with the birds. We all know the man in the rush with his feet off the ground. After all, he's just one of our crowd and he fails to recall, despite all his toil, the birds wheeling slow all around. It's the gush of a man in the rush who at times finds he's stuck in the mire and at times rushing off to Jamaica, Belize or Hawaii to rotate his head around in utterly motionless spaces in his fist clutching passport, return ticket and several cases. Is the stuff of the fast man who never stops communicating, relating to whom, and with nothing with whom to commune? Where is the partner in crime to drag out the time? And so on. It's a long poem. I won't read it all. This, this was just an example. And uh, yeah, um, I said I hated, uh, I hated uh, poetry slam, but yeah, there are, there are exceptions. I, I like some. For example, there is this Polish uh, poetry slammer. Uh, Veronika Lewandowski and I think she's absolutely fantastic. Do you know her? She's, she's just amazing um, what, what she does and uh, there, are, uh, there are slammers I know in the Czech Republic uh, who are perfect. Uh, there was Bogdan Blahovets for example mm, uh, others I, I mean the general atmosphere, I didn't like the competition and also what uh, Francis said, uh, like sometimes it works on stage and it doesn't work when it's in a book. That's definitely, it's a different genre. I, uh, I just uh, many times um, what, what uh, hmm, when, when put on paper it just doesn't work. So, yeah. Thank you very much, Tom. Um, thank you very much, all of you. And I would kindly ask Rick to, if he wants to add something or to ask something. Well, as a matter of fact, both. My, my question to you all, and I so have enjoyed your work. I believe that poets have a responsibility, uh, especially since in so many areas 
poetry is seen as outside mainstream commercial culture. And I believe that we have this place outside commercial culture because we bear a certain responsibility. If we think back in history, the oldest knowledge we have is the songs the poets sang. The ancient fables come and were preserved by the poets. So I believe we have this responsibility today. And I was wondering, in this special land that is the land of the poet, how do you feel we must best bear that responsibility? And I'm, I'm going to turn to Francis, our teacher here, and say, when you're teaching the children about poetry, when you're encouraging them to speak out and use their poetic voice, what do you tell them the role of the poet is? And I'm going to ask each of you that same question. What's the role of poetry in a culture that only sees money, that only sees dollars and cents, commercial value, and poetry is outside that universe. What special place, what special responsibility, what special path for us? What do you tell them? What's the job of poetry? I think to tell their story, whatever that story is, it's becoming a bit of a cliche, but to speak your truth whether your poetry is drawn from real life or whether it's fictionalized or whether it's adaptation um and like i said not to be hemmed in by these tick lists that we think poetry has to have that it has to be you know wordsworth in a frilly shirt wandering lonely as a cloud and that i mean i'm doing john cooper clark with them and they don't realize that poetry can be rebellious it could be punk it could use slang language we spent a whole day a whole lesson the other day sorry on the whiteboard putting all of our geordie slang up there there's geordie slang words that i've forgotten and i was saying right if we were going to put these into a poem how could we do that and it was the the shock of we can do that i was like yeah you're going to make your own rules in poetry you're going to you tear up the the tick list as it were i think i think that is the the big takeaway from teaching poetry Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I'm going to turn my normal tendencies around and say, Tomas, sir, would you tell us also what do you think the job of the poet or the or poetry is today? Hmm. I'm a very responsible person <laughs> like, by, by nature. So, like, uh, responsibility of a poet is too much for me. I just uh, I, uh, I I don't want to be responsible for anything. Ah, good and, answer. Uh, yeah, so, sorry about that. I I think, yeah, that's what I think about poetry. Thank you, sir. And Jasmine, my dear, could I trouble you? What do you feel the job of the poet is today, or that transcendental space for a poet? It's a really interesting question and a, a huge one that could be answered many ways. Um, fundamentally, for me, I feel like in a world where people seem to be more and more like individual and more and more concerned with their own sort of struggles and um yeah people just the more people sort of um privatize themselves i suppose i feel like words and especially poetry and metaphor um build bridges well it's, it's a bridge isn't it between the poet's experience to the reader and i think that can bring people together in a way that uh, not not a lot of 
write in can. I think poetry is really special in that way. Um, and that, that's kind of um, my mission to sort of articulate the liminal, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And now I'm going to ask your indulgence. You are so kind to read me your poetry. I want to read you one of my recent poems. It goes to that point that you've all made in your own way that you as poets live outside the old envelope. You were this, now you are that. Poetry defines that new space where you are. I wrote this little piece recently in response to the mania of nationalism that is just feverishly possessed so many. It's a tribute to poets called Citizens of Nowhere. Dreaming of the end of nation states, ye citizens of nowhere. Citizens of nowhere in Theresa May's ill-favored phrase, a citizen of humanity, why are they so afraid? All the whims of statecraft, the border dreams and worries, and humanity just ignores the lot and loads its baggage and owes lorries. Citizens of nowhere, they denounce our every prayer that residents of that valley might try to come over here. Still sunlight falls uneven and the air's courses unrestrained and all that tribal nonsense adds headaches to my brain. They build their lovely walls and moats arrayed with glass and steel. Yes, they aim to test and stress our inner strength revealed. They station soldiers by the door demanding papers, passports, chore. They'd limit sunlight if they could. Charge for shadows, I know they would. These miser actors score. Crowd us round outside and more. They'd stop a flock of seagulls teach fishes at their schools, and try to mock the very wind with their tiny scribblings. Fools. They like their tiny nations, belligerent stations ring round and fortified. I say mankind all is one, and nationists all lied. A citizen of nowhere. Thank you. Misha, thank you. thank you very much. Bring us home. Thank you very much, uh, Rick, citizen of, well, I can't call you a citizen of nowhere because <laughs> you are a citizen of the world and you are the author of that beautiful theory which actually uh, brings us power to continue with the serial even if we feel we are almost uh, desperate for something not working and uh, this is your beautiful theory that east is the whole world and the whole world should be the country or the uh, living region for all for all the poets so i think how the whole world is your let's say region of citizenship you are not from nowhere you are just from the world and let us not forget you are Rick of the Three Rivers. 
because Rick Spisak is calls himself and is a very in, very interesting and original uh, nickname, the poet of the three uh, of the three rivers. And I hope that until uh, next episode, I will find out which those rivers are because <laughs> I have never uh, I have never known uh, uh, known about it. Thank you. So. Thank you very much. It was really, I think it was a very interesting, um, a very interesting episode. Um, in the same time, a very good record session uh, with almost no technical problems. Please don't tell anyone that my internet connection fell twice and that I had to reconnect also three times. But as far as as long as it wasn't to be uh, to be perceived, as long as it wasn't to be observed. It is uh, just right. It is just great. So thank you very much, uh, all of you. Uh, thank you, Jasmine. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Tomas. Thanks a lot, Rick, for your love to Central European, European and world poetry. Uh, and uh, see you, actually hear you uh, next week at, uh, I hope I remember well, 2 p.m. New York time. 8 p.m. Prague time, 7 p.m. GMT, that means also British time, and if you allow me, as the last on the list, uh, 9 p.m. Bucharest time. Thank you very much. Good luck in everything you're doing. Thank you for being here, for accepting our invitation, and uh, all the best. Please stay safe. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, everybody. It was nice meeting you. Well, that was a wonderful session. Misha, your final thoughts, my brother. Well, my final thought could only express the regret for being final. Because <laughs> it was, you are right, it was such a, such a fine session there were it was such a fine discussion and uh, you know i i have the feeling that it is one of the few cases when the conclusions of the respective discussion were included in, within the discussion itself uh, i don't mean final conclusions but rather um, let's say challenges for the minds, for the um, for the thoughts, for the ideas of our listeners, to continue into this thinking about, into this rationality, into this uh, into these ideas uh, raised up by our dear guests concerning the idea of uh, responsibility of the poet, the relation between the poet as a creator, as a literary critic eventually, and uh, maybe also as a, uh, as a performer. It was, well, if I, I try to put myself now in the role of the, let's say, pure listener, I tried not to influence, I try not to let myself being influenced by my role of co-host, a role I am very, um, very happy about and happy with 
and uh, uh, and very grateful about. Um, I mean, if I were only a listener, and I, I mean only it has not his, its place here as a word, because in the case of this episode, um, it was a lot to listen to, it was a lot to, uh, to think about. Um, the, th the next thing to do would be trying to answer those questions in written, in writing, and maybe write a poem about all of this. You know how it was called the artistic critical or the artistic way, the uh, metaphorical way of uh, criticizing or of making analysis. And you know, it's only I'm only asking. I'm only. It's only a question. I don't know how much time do we have. But, well, uh, sir, we certainly have ten minutes if you'd like. Not a problem at all. Well, if you agree, I would like very much to read quote wonderful a fragment from a wonderful poem by Tomasz Mika. Um, about his um, connection to the idea of uh, um, of performing and of performing poetry and of uh, performance is uh, I won't guess, read brother. the whole I won't, I won't hear uh, read the whole poem because it's very long a wonderful poem called Be Well a poem I translated also into Romanian and uh, together with which with Tomasz Mika, we managed a very, I think, successful um, uh, performing like presentation of a couple of thing a couple of times in Romania. I mean, he was read right. He was reading the original Czech variant. I was reading the Romanian, the Romanian variant, the Romanian translation, and uh, in between. He was staying in the front of the room, and I was walking to, uh, through the room and uh, offering flowers to the ladies in the room. Because the second title, the secondary title, the undertitle, if you want, of uh, this poem is Our Lady. Our Lady is actually a kind of uh, goddess, which is a combination between a woman of God, an hypothetic woman of God, um, an, um, an um, uh, curation of uh, the of the uh, of the woman as of the concrete woman we know from our uh, from our everyday experience as men as males. The woman understood as goddess, as mother, as wife, as lover, and uh, until the end, as a daughter. Um, so I will read uh, a couple of, uh, I mean, read the beginning of this, of this poem, and uh, I think it will be clear for all our listeners that uh, performance is a part of poetry when poetry reaches the necessary uh, artistic quality. Be Well by Tomasz Mika, 
translated into English by himself and uh, Bernie Higgins. The universe is full of stones you don't know, yet you use them to build your dwellings, hoping they will take off with you one day, said Our Lady, and continued. Refrain from alcohol and coffee. Drink water with apple cider vinegar before each meal and every morning before breakfast. Two cups of lukewarm water with lemon. But first, do the five Tibetan rites and even add the sixth rite. When nobody watches, you stand in your head and avoid all kinds of carbohydrates to be ketogenic and eugenic. Chew each mouthful for ten minutes. Remember that our ancestors were hunter-gatherers. Let animals leave. Pray your sphincter in contents does not weigh. Jump, swim, ride and bike and suppress your squirt. And if you are a woman, but you are not, make sure to suppress your scream. Only then will you attain perfect health and thus happiness and live many years in this valley of shadows through which red tears of laughter and yellow tears of sorrow flow against each other. It continues like this. It is, I repeat, a very long poem, a wonderful poem. I was very proud and happy to translate it into Iranian. And even if I, of course, I am aware that nobody would, uh, or almost nobody would understand this, uh, the Romanian translation. And if the time still allows, allows us, um, please tell me if I could read at least five or six, six verses from the, uh, from the uh, Romanian translation, just for the Absolutely. sake of... Absolutely. Absolutely. Do we still have time for, for this? We still have ten minutes. Go ahead. Okay. So, it is, it is, I, uh, you know, it's this control F thing in, uh, In, uh, in uh, the oh my god, I'm sorry, it's just disappeared from from my uh, it just disappeared from my uh, from my com from my computer, and I guess it's, go ahead, take a minute, you'll find it. It's okay. I will. I will try to. I I will try to. Um, it's it's just well, it's not that I I'm not a uh, it's not just a bit. I'm, I'm not a very good. Uh, I'm not very good in, uh, in computer, but actually I'm a catastrophe. I'm catastrophic <laughs> in, in this. So oh, I'm trying again. Control Go ahead. F. Go ahead. Focus on it. And I. I'll put on a little bit of music okay. in the background so, while you're looking. I think so. Just only the few ver the, uh, the few beginning of the ver of the respective verses in Romanian. Okay. okay. Tu să fii sănătos. E lumea plină de pietre ce omul uneci cu gândul nu le știe. 
decât numai de dânsele căși pre pământ rădică. Și nădăjduiește că într-o zi, de la Dumnezeu lăsată, adică, cu el în avântatul zborul către Sfântul Sore, vor purcede îmbrăcat în ie. Așa e grăita domna noastră, cona mare, iar apoi, precum urmează o cuvântat, de blăstămățile de alcool și de cafea să te păzești. Așa te-am blăstemat. Bea înainte de fișce care mâncare de Dumnezeu binecuvântată, apă cu oțet de mere și în tătă dimineața, pre inima golă, două cupe cu apă caldă, cu lămâie să sorbi. Și înainte de acestea, tu cele cinci ritualuri tibetane să le îndeplinești și pre al șaselea la dânsele să îl adaugi. Iar când nimeni nu se va uita să te ferești de carbohidrați și băuturi acidulate. Well, uh, I'm sure it's uh, maybe only a minority from uh, our listeners could understand what I'm... Actually, it was the translation of that fragment in English I uh, I read uh, I read uh, uh, a couple of three minutes uh, three minutes ago. But I thought today's edition, today's episode wouldn't be complete without this real diamond of uh, poetry and of performing poetry belonging to uh, belonging to uh, Tomas Mika. Sounds wonderful, brother. Always a pleasure to have you reading. You put such spirit into it. And although the words don't translate to all of us, there's a spirit there that shines through. Thank you very much. It uh, I, I feel I'm I'm flustered and uh, really over overwhelmed, uh, dear dear Rick. And uh, yes, I repeat it maybe for the third time today. You you are right. Uh, it was I think together with that edition about uh, Hungarian contemporary poets. This episode was one of the most uh, most uh, managed one of the most dared in uh, uh, among among the ones we uh, the ones who, the ones we registered and uh, and uh, broadcasted and you know you raised that question about the responsibility and in this case responsibility of the poet it is a little bit it sounds like the destiny of the poet please do you allow me to read a poem about what I modestly think is the destiny of the poet. Absolutely. Go ahead, brother. Do we still have five minutes? We do. We have six. Thanks Go ahead. The No Kissing Moon. We kiss without taste. We kiss without love. We kiss without lust. We kiss without excitement. We kiss without tongues, we kiss without lips, kiss without mouth, we kiss without eyes, we kiss without looking, we kiss without faces, we kiss without shapes, kiss without forms, we kiss without images, we kiss without imagination, we kiss without visions, we kiss without pictures, we kiss without dreams, we kiss without reality, 
We kiss without Bistung. We kiss without Wahrheit. We kiss without kisses. We kiss without a pax. We kiss without kissing. And so there's nowhere, no one to ever take note. Or there's nowhere, no one to ever pay attention to our kissing. There's nowhere, no one to ever see it, hear it, or feel it, not even ourselves. And so, there's nowhere, no one to ever write about our kissing, but to that forgotten poet, which himself has never, nowhere, kissed anyone. And so, at least, he's thinking up us, a couple striving for a kiss, as himself for poetry. Dear Rick, Beautiful. I think Beautiful. the destiny of the poet could be if he doesn't feel responsible, but he still he or she still is. Her or him or his destiny is maybe striving for poetry as a no kissing couple strives for a kiss. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night. And thank you again, my brother. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Thank you very much. I will be honored and happy to do it. Okay. And here we go with a little bit of music on the outside. Ed and home.
with that, my friends, we will talk to you next week. Thank you, my brother Misha. Let's talk soon. And bye-bye, everyone.